Blog Talk Radio. WBLS Master Max. Master Max. He has amassed an incredibly large DVD library. And it is said that he never once alphabetized it. If he were to mail a letter without postage, it would still get there. When it is raining, it is because he's thinking about something sad. The pheromones he secretes have been known to affect people miles away in a slight but measurable way. He once punched a magician. That's right, you heard me. His blood smells like cologne. His hands feel like rich brown suede. He is the most interesting man in the world. He's our resident mixologist, DJ Doc Martin. Doc Doc Martin Martin in the mix on 107.5 WBLS.
what it's all about, gentlemen. It's what we train for. You're in the mix with DJ Doc Martin on 107.5 WBLS.
technique, and they're all different. And when you know mine, you'll be dead. He's our resident mixologist, DJ Doc Martin, Doc, Doc Martin, Martin in the mix on 107.5 WBLS. <laughs> <laughs>
with me today, I have a Brookings Institution fellow, John Hudak, who is a voice that we've used quite a bit on this issue. He's very poignant in his thought process about uh, guns. John, thank you so much for joining. Thanks for having me back. So, John, let's talk about New Zealand, I guess, and the Prime Minister and her actions. It's so different from the reaction here. Why is there such a polar opposite reaction with the government in New Zealand versus here, first of all? Well, first off, in New Zealand, you don't have a culture that in some areas is just constructed around guns. And it doesn't, uh, in New Zealand, create that sort of scenario that we have here in the United States where there's this idea of an entitlement to any type of weapon in any type of circumstance under any type of circumstances. And I think because of that, it creates this a greater shock and this greater call for some kind of solution and a meaningful call for a solution that we just don't have here. Hmm. So the right to bear arms is not uh, something that um, is is a call to action there like it is here. You know, the Second Amendment here, they don't have that there. Exactly. You know, there's this um, near obsession in the United States, um, at least among some, over uh, this this right and that this idea that the right um, cannot be checked. You know, in this country, we have expectations that the First Amendment, um, right to free speech and peaceful assembly, um, it, that there are limits on that. We understand that there are limits on a variety of rights that we have. But for some, and, and culturally driven by organizations like the NRA, that there is this idea that any infringement, any check, any limitation on an unlimited right to bear arms uh, is this uh, almost uh, intervention with the divine. This is coming between the right that God has granted you uh, and your ability to exercise it. That doesn't exist that way in New Zealand. Well, tell me this. So New Zealand is not alone. Um, you have other countries uh, around the world who don't really uh, have this gun issue. Could you talk to us about some of the other countries that, um, you know, they, they I guess they, because I, I think I was in Switzerland. I know it was in Switzerland. You know, they were talking about when, you know, they have guns, but it's no big uh, call to action, as you say. And, and, and it's meant, the guns are meant in case, basically, of some kind of war or unrest. Is that true? You know, the different uh, expectations and different beliefs around guns vary from uh, place to place around the world. There are certainly places that uh, see the ownership of guns as something used primarily for sport. Um, there are certainly areas, both, both peaceful places and uh, war-torn places, where um, the understanding of guns is for uh, serious personal protection, whether that's from an invading army, whether it's from civil unrest or what have you. Um, but generally, around the world, uh, guns are rare. Um, they are not expected to be part of uh, common society. And there is an expectation that they are used for uh, proper purposes by proper professionals. That isn't the case in the United States, but around the world, that tends to be more the case. So in the United States, there was just recently um, a, a, a bill that passed in the House, which people were surprised. 
Talk to me about that. Um, you know, we haven't seen gun control legislation. What does that do in a long time? I mean, you know, we, we continue to talk about gun control, gun control, but there has been some, some kind of curb uh, on guns, uh, assault weapons recently. Talk to me about that. The um, legislation that passed the House, H.R. 8, um, was an expansion of background checks for transactions around guns. It tries to close off loopholes over, over who is subject to a background check given the nature of the transaction. So it extends those background checks uh, to private transactions, for instance, online transactions, um, sales at gun shows, and, and that is an important way uh, to close off avenues that individuals might have uh, to accessing guns uh, when they should not be. Now, it's, of course, not to say that HR8 solves the challenges uh, that exist in this country. There are plenty of people who commit crimes, either large-scale shootings or what is, uh, you know, the, the type of violence that claims far more lives in the United States, and that's interpersonal violence, especially domestic violence involving a gun. Um, they purchase those in legal ways, but what HRA tries to do is tries to close off avenues, tries to stop people from having certain means of access without claiming to solve the entire gun violence problem in uh, the country. And universal background checks are something that are nearly universally supported among the American public. Well, this has been an issue for a very long time because I was hearing uh, these issues as it relates to uh, the gun shows and things of that nature. Um, how big is this loophole issue? You know, the loophole issue is uh, significant. Uh, there are uh, quite a few guns that are purchased at uh, gun shows. Uh, there are a lot of other types of private transactions for firearms. And the problem is not simply who is purchasing the gun, but the purpose for which they are purchasing the gun. Uh, when you're not having background checks, uh, you can allow um, a variety of people who either want to use firearms directly um, or who want to then peddle firearms illegally uh, to do so. And I think in our society, people who want to commit gun violence are going to find ways to commit gun violence. And uh, simply having background checks is not a solution. But any way that we can make it harder for individuals who want to commit acts of violence to do so gives police more time to uh, find them. It gives family members or friends more time to, uh, you know, call the police and say, I, I think I, ha I know someone who's looking to commit an act of violence. Uh, and while we have a gun violence epidemic in the United States, um, I think one of the uh, understated uh, actions that happens here are people preventing gun violence because they are seeing online or they're listening within their family what people are talking about. And when you have people like that, if you have one extra day or two extra days to prevent that, that can be a good thing. Mm -hmm. So as it relates to the gun situation and the legislation that just happened, um, do you expect the Senate to pass it and the president could possibly, if it does, the president could have a second veto, correct? Uh, I do not think the Senate is going to pass this legislation. Um, anything that uh, has to do with a, uh, the uh, gun control in this country, 
is something that the Republican Party is allergic to. Uh, I don't see Mitch McConnell bringing something up for a vote, particularly um, as he enters re-election next year in Kentucky. Uh, This is something that is likely dead on arrival in the Senate, even if it could get a majority of support within the Senate. Mm, Wow. So at at the end of the day, where are we um, with this president, the NRA, and the Republicans on the Hill as it relates to gun control? Well, this president Republic, and Republicans on the um, Hill are wholly owned subsidiaries of the NRA. It's as simple as that. What the NRA wants, um, this president and uh, this Republican Senate and other Republicans in Congress will do. Um, the threat that Republicans perceive the NRA playing uh, in Republican Party politics is too overwhelming to allow Republican uh, representatives to respond to the public will. What happened to that debate, you know, after we, the Parkland issue, what happened to that, that debate about teachers in the schoolhouse carrying guns? I mean, that is just, you can't police with that. You can't, you, it's just a crazy thing. Where are we with that, that, that proposal? That proposal is dead in the water as well. You know, I think um, we expect a lot out of our teachers. Um, We don't pay our teachers enough. We expect teachers to educate and babysit and discipline and be psychologists and social workers and do a lot of things uh, without having the respect in some places even to pay them a living wage. But when we then ask them to be police officers and first responders, I think for most that's a bridge too far, and and frankly, um, you know, I think all of us uh, can think back to our days in school and know uh, one or two or a handful of teachers who would be the last people on earth you would want to have a gun in a classroom. Uh, And I think when you have a rigorous uh, training regimen for most other professionals in our society who are charged with carrying a firearm, why you would then extend that um, to the classroom uh, is something that is very difficult for a lot of people to understand. So at the end of the day, 10 years down the road, 20 years down the road, what does the issue of guns in your opinion look like versus uh, the rest of the world, and will it get worse before it gets better? In the United States, we we have some evidence that uh, there will be stronger gun control in the future when we simply look at opinions about gun control uh, based on age demographics. Uh, Older people are more supportive of you know, an an essentially unfettered right to bear arms, and younger people are much more vocal about supporting not just universal background checks, but more extensive uh, types of gun control. Now, people can change their mind over time, uh, and what millennials think now may be different than what millennials think in 20 years, Uh, but I think that the future would suggest uh, that, or I mean, it, it those numbers would suggest that the future has in store uh, some level of increased gun control. Mm. In- increased gun control. It only takes people with a heart for it to make it happen, though, however. That's right. Yeah, and the question is, where is the heart right now? Yep. Um, <laughs> where is the heart? And, I mean, it's this is something that's not just in urban America. It's not just something that's now in 
uh, rural America. It's not just something in one community versus another community. It's everywhere. But, you know, before I let you go, um, the face of a gun control owner, I mean, the gun owner, excuse me, John, before I let you go, the face of the gun owner is now being publicized in a different way, especially with Parkland and all of these schoolhouse shootings and, and all of these uh, mass shootings that we've been reporting on. Uh, in this nation, they're now putting a face on black people and, and, and younger people who want to go to to um, shoot for sport or shoot for game. Why is that? Why are they putting a different face on than than the guys, the trappers or whatever, or the people out there in the woods with their guns or just people, these Republicans who just say they have a right and they're going to use their right? You know, I think uh, the face of a gun owner in America is not something that is uh, unitary, right? There's not one gun owner in America. There are millions of reasonable, safe, well-intentioned gun owners, and they are people who uh, use those firearms to go out and hunt and keep a firearm perhaps in uh, a drawer for self-defense just in case, uh, but they're not out there trying to commit acts of violence. Then we have another face of America where people do have firearms because they intend to commit acts of violence or act irresponsibly with them in other ways. You know, there are a lot of gun deaths in this country, not because someone grabs a gun and wants to go out and kill someone, but because a gun is left on a table and a child shoots himself or, or a friend, because a gun is available in a household and someone who's suffering from depression decides that that is the solution to their problems. Uh, gun owners in America and, uh, you know, uh, perpetrators of gun violence in America also have very different faces uh, when you look around. And so I think it speaks to the idea that the solution in this country is not to get rid of all the guns. Um, but neither is the solution in this country to put our hands in our pockets because the problem is too complex and too diverse. That's true. Well, John Hudak, as always, thank you so much for joining me on the record with April Ryan. It was wonderful to talk about a real serious issue about guns and gun control and just how we have to cope now and in the future with this issue that's um, deadly. Thank you, April. With this week's On the Record, I'm AURN White House correspondent April Ryan. Don't forget to subscribe to On the Record on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, Stitcher, or any other podcast directory. If you like what you hear, leave a five-star review. On the Record, a product of American Urban Radio Networks. Confessions of a Potentially Perfect Parent, brought to you by AdoptUsKids.org. I might look like an adult, like a person who could possibly be a parent, but I have no idea how to talk like one. And everyone knows that if you want to be a parent, you have to sound good when you say things like, Don't make me turn this car around, or Because I said so, or Don't make me come back there. I don't even really know what those things mean. But I know that I actually believed my parents when they said them to me. How did they manage to sound so convincing? Here we go. Don't make me come back there. Oh, no, that's not tough enough at all. Kids can sense weakness. Don't make me come back there. Ooh, yeah, that's better. In fact, that kind of sounded like my dad. Weird. You don't have to be perfect to be a perfect parent. There are thousands of teens in foster care who would love to listen to you practice your dad voice. Call 1-888-200-4005 or visit adoptuskids.org for more information. This message brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, Adopt Us Kids, and the Ad Council.
Is that a faucet running? That's not a faucet. That's a river rushing through the forest. Forest rivers provide over 100 million people with clean water to drink. What? I can't hear you because of the vacuum. That's not a vacuum. That's the trees in the forest cleaning up the air we breathe. I didn't know the trees were so amazing. Yep, and the forest gives us shade, trees to climb. That's awesome. Let's go explore some more. Visit the forest today and enjoy all it does just for you. To learn more about the forest and find one near you, go to discovertheforest.org. Brought to you by the U.S. Forest Service and the Ad Council. Para la familia Mendoza empezar el día oyendo esto es algo habitual. Por suerte, ir al bosque y terminar el día escuchando esto otro es posible. Ese respiro que tu familia necesita está a menos de 90 minutos. El bosque, más cerca de lo que crees. Entra en descubreelbosque.org y descubre el bosque más cercano. Un mensaje del Servicio Forestal de los Estados Unidos y el App Council. Parece que fue ayer, papá. Me acuerdo cómo lloraba. No yo. Sino lo que había dentro de la casa. Mi primer perrito. No dejaba de chillar hasta que lo sacamos de la caja. ¿Recuerdas cómo brincaba y me lamía la cara? Yo me reía. <ríe> Ay, cómo nos reíamos. Gracias a ti, mi perro y yo nos volvimos grandes amigos. Casi tan buenos amigos como tú y yo, papá. Nunca se sabe cuáles recuerdos son para siempre. Por eso, toma el tiempo y hoy sé un buen papá. Para información, marca el 1-877-432-3411 o visítanos en www.fatherhood.com. Mensaje del Departamento de Salud y Servicios Humanos de los Estados Unidos y el Ad Council.
find me somebody not afraid to let go I want a no doubt be there kind of girl and you came real close every time you build me up you only let me down and everybody knows almost does not count Running back to me, baby, from that cruel, cruel world. You almost convinced me that you're gonna stick around. But everybody knows almost doesn't count. knows almost doesn't Yeah. 